After 30, the Illini fall on the road at Purdue, 84-68. to uh, The Illini led by two at the half. The Boilers take over in the second half behind just a monster effort, especially in the second half from Jaden Ivey, who just went off with 22 points in the second half on 9 of 12 shooting um, in 19 minutes, which I thought was interesting that Painter left all those guys in. Um, but anyway, it was a it was a game where Illinois just really got thoroughly outplayed, and there's not much more you can say about it. Uh, Mike Cagley was uh, in the arena. Mike, what were your thoughts about the atmosphere and the the game? Well, the atmosphere is amazing because when you're in that place, and the Boilermaker fans go go ape, they're mad about something, or they do some, you know, they they get fired up. It is like you are sitting right in front of a jet engine. And I am just like, holy cow, that was amazing. Now, I've never been there before. Second thing is, is it lets me know what we lost with that decade of not having um, good basketball. Because if we had had, if we had hired appropriately after self, um, and then, you know, obviously up until Underwood, that's what 15, 20 years of diehard fans are created because they're used to winning and they expect to win. And my God, that was a, that was an electric arena. Ked, what'd you think of the game? You watched it on TV. What'd you think? Well, I just think it's just going to be basic. They just shot the ball bad. They did not shoot the ball well tonight. Um, I know people are probably going to call me a homer from saying this and that's okay. I've been called worse. I know Purdue is 2-0 against Illinois. I still think Illinois is as equally as good as Purdue. You can't go 24 for 58 and shoot 41% from the field, and they shoot 50%. They shot 30% from three. Um, I think Coach Underwood said tonight after the game, Jacob Grandison and Trent Frazier were 4 for 15. You know, Illinois shot 15 free throws. To the, you know, so it wasn't the, it wasn't the officiating this time. I I was really impressed with the officiating. I didn't, I don't, you know, there's always going to be one or two calls that didn't affect the game. Just very, very disappointing, a poor shooting night because, you know, Plummer didn't get anything going in the second half. And I think at one point they were one for 10 to start the second half. It was just shooting to me. I don't care if David Ivy went on the run. If you knock down shots, that that doesn't matter. I mean, you just cannot go empty trips like that, you know. And from a positive standpoint, I was really impressed with Kofi tonight. There was games where he has played against big men and he has really struggled. And tonight I was impressed. He came out and he was shooting shots over big guys through people. Tonight kind of showed me and gave me a little bit difference of opinion of him playing at the next level. I was, I was impressed with him today. I mean, he missed that dunk. Who cares? I was really impressed with his overall game. Yeah, I, th- I think they, they did get some. I thought Kofi played at least to a stalemate against the Purdue Bigs. And in fact, he you know, outplayed them individually in his 27 minutes. And I'll be honest with you. I know people are bagging on Omar Payne and Bosman's Redonk and, but you put the Illinois bigs together and what'd you get 19 points and you know, what 16 rebounds or no 13, 19 points, 13 rebounds from the three guys playing the five spot. Uh, you know, a couple of locked shots. I mean, I, I, I didn't think this that bad. I, I thought they, they held their own. I just don't think Illinois could guard Jaden Ivey. And then, you know, you mentioned the shooting. Frazier and Grandison and Williams were combined two for 14 from three. And let's be honest, some of those were just completely wide open. Even Plummer yes. missed, a, 
missed a couple wide open ones in the second half. Yep. Starts Jacob, off, Jacob did it. Oh, yeah. A plumber, Grandison, Frazier, just missing wide open looks, and that, that kills you. You're, you're not going to win very often. And, you know, Goody had that one go down and out. Um, but I, I really thought that, you know, the one thing about when you miss those shots too is that allows Purdue to get out and transition off, off misses. And now Purdue Especially gets long, going. long three ball misses. Yep, those long rebounds. And then they're pushing it up and down the floor. And so you got Jaden Ivey running full speed downhill. And that is bad. In all aspects, you do not want him coming downhill. It's like having Io. Remember Io going downhill on those guys. And yep. and, and Ivy's more athletic than Io. I mean, he, he I'm not saying he's you know he's different, obviously, but he's more athletic. So I mean, as far as getting up over people and things like that, and you know, Io's really fast, but Ivy's a little more shifty. And I, I just I think he's the best player in the conference. I think he's the best player in the Big Ten and and he's one of the best players in the country. I think he's going to be a top five pick in the draft, and there's a reason why. So we all know they missed shots. We didn't. But how about that? What happened to the Illinois defense, Mike? What what, what happened to the defense? Was it just Purdue's offense, or would did Illinois have some defensive breakdowns? You think? Uh, there were some defensive breakdowns, particularly I know early in the second half. Plummer got lost a couple times, leading to wide open uh, threes, and then the difference in the game to me was Ivy. First off, when he plays that, I'm not certain anybody in the country can beat him. But to make it even worse, you know, the Purdue role players were hitting their threes is what you expect at home. And the Illini role players weren't hitting their threes, which is what you expect when you're playing on the road. And the combination of, of you know, there were some times that that Purdue hit over really good defense. And there were times that Purdue hit over uh, wide open shots and it didn't. And the, the, the commonality was Purdue hit. They did, you know, and they didn't allow the Illini any room to, to make anything up because they didn't have that cold spot that you expect teams to have. They just, they just shot their way through the Illini in the second half. And, uh, you know, I got to give them, I got to give a tip of my hat because they played fence and then they shot the lights out and they kind of did to Illinois what Illinois has done to teams like Wisconsin and Indiana. Totally agree. Um, I, I just think that, yeah, it, that's, that's a great answer. Ken, what are your thoughts? Well, you know what? I feel bad for Plummer because he is such a fun kid to watch. And if you go back to the Wisconsin, even in the other game, he made he makes some defensive mistakes. I mean, I think he gets lost at times. And it's tough for a kid who's used to not playing defense and coming to Illinois. Jacob Grandison even said that during the press conference this week. Playing at Illinois, Brad Underwood teaches teams how to play defense. And Brad, you and I both know that Coach Underwood made a comment for once. You know, do they even teach you how to play defense out there at Utah? And it's tough because I feel bad for the kid because he is such an offensive weapon and he wants to win so bad. There was a play in the second half where he was trying to create a shot and he lost the ball out of bounds. You know, Coach Underwood, you know, took him out and was talking to him. That kid wants to win. Illinois fans don't know a lot about him because he's only been there for a year. But he does make mistakes, but he makes up for it on offense, I guess. I, I can't fault the kid because he's older. It's tough to try to come in and, you know, at that age to try to learn a defensive system and, and to force yourself to learn how to play defense the right way. Um, it, it, it stinks, it stings. 
you know. But at the end of the day, the, you can make play defense. You can have all the game plans you want. You know, you got to play defense. And Coach Underwood is not happy about the rebounding, which you all are going to hear about, you know, for the next couple of days because they were out tough a few times. And that's not a Brad Underwood type of team. And, and you're going to have to defend. You have to defend and rebound on the road. And tonight they didn't do that. And, I mean, I say this. Andy Katz said it the best. They're probably going to be playing each other again in a Big Ten tournament, and hopefully they'll play again in a Final Four. I just, I still believe that this team is as good as they are. I think the one advantage that they have, they have two quality bigs offensively, and only doesn't have that in, in um, Payne and um, Bossman Burnup. Um, so I guess you, I kind of look at this game as being one of those games you're, you lost on the road to arguably the most talented team in the big 10. I mean, they have, they're the only team in the big 10 that has a guy going in the top five. Um, they can match up size wise with Kofi. I mean, uh, with their two big guys. And so I, I think it's a tough matchup for Illinois. I, I do think Illinois can beat Purdue if they have a, if they shoot the ball decently tonight, this is a, I mean, in the second half, this game's right there. I mean, it's there for the taking. So um, I, I think that, you know, you have to kind of look forward now. So I, I look at this season this way. And you guys tell me what you think when I'm done. Illinois is 10 and three in the league. They are in a tie for first place with seven games to play. They have played league games without Andre Corbello, without Kofi Coburn, um, and lost, you know, obviously at Maryland in a game they probably win if Kofi plays. And yet here they are in first place with seven to play. And they're probably going to be favored. I'm looking at their future schedule. And I, leg- I, I think that they've got, you know, three, four, seven games, and they're favored to win every game left. Obviously, you got a couple tough road games against at Michigan and at Michigan State, and you got tough, uh, maybe a couple t- tough home games. Um, Ohio State, and, and um, uh, I guess the game at Rutgers isn't that easy, but you know, you, you just got to take care of business. And and I really think they they have a great chance to you know go six and one, five and two, or even seven and zero oh coming down the stretch. And if you go seven and zero, you win the Big Ten. And I believe if they go six and one, they probably win the Big Ten. So um, I, I think this is a. I think you got to kind of look at the as the whole. It's a bad night, and they played a bad game, but they've got a chance to do um, something here in these final seven games. What I like about what you just said was that people put this in perspective. The other teams that's fighting for the Big Ten championship, Michigan State. I mean, excuse me, uh, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Purdue, those teams could lose too. They still have to play each other. To me, the way I look at it, Illinois not having to go to Wisconsin and Ohio State is a good thing this year. I just really think the schedule is made up for them. There's no easy games. I mean, even, you know, we, you know, 20 years ago, Northwestern was a gimme game, a gimme win. Those days are done. You're going to have to play to beat people. But again, you don't have to go to those two places. And I like the chances of them being at home. And you're right, they're probably going to be favored. Um, the bottom line is this. I don't care. Illinois can play Purdue, you know, and you know, we need to move forward. But they can play Purdue again tomorrow and shoot differently. Let's not forget, they played them the two overtimes in Champaign, and they shot the lights out. So it's very doable. You know, they just can't go cold and stay cold and expect to win and if they're going to stay cold then you better god darn it you better play defense you better rebound and you better throw the ball inside to the big fella because you're not going to shoot the ball well every night i mean let's face it because if my memory serves me correctly purdue went to Rutgers and lost so it's going to happen 
it is going to happen. Right now, because they lost tonight, everybody wants to give Purdue the crown and they're the best team and give Jay Ivey the Big Ten Player of the Year trophy. Kedrick's not. Last week, when Kofi put up 79,000 points, he was a favorite. Today, Jay Ivey looked good. I'm going the whole entire body of the work. The most dominant big man in the conference to miss Kofi. And let's remember this before I stop rambling. Jay Ivey wasn't all, he wasn't all league when they went to Champagne. He was great tonight. So it's the whole body of work for me. Yeah. And I, I think, though, being in first place means you control your destiny. And that's a place that Coach Underwood can motivate the team. I think we're missing probably what I think is the biggest story of the night, which is the excellent play of Andre Curbelo out there. He revealed some, you know, for the second row, if you had and if I was another team around the country, especially a top 10 team that has a good point guard, I'm watching Andre Curbelo play and I'm starting to say, okay, if we won't run into Purdue, how am I going to use this point guard to offset their two tr- two trees? And and look, you know, the bottom line is is Illinois is 0-2 against them. And like Ked said, they may play two more times, and, and let's see what happens. But I thought the team played a good first half, and then a, a, I don't know it was as much as a disappointing sec- second half as we missed our opportunities and, and Purdue made theirs. And that was the difference in the game and Jaden Ivory's overall athleticism. But it was nice to see Curbelo do what he did. I felt a lot better about him coming off the bench and providing that second unit a spark. And he really well. So I don't know if you agree with me, but boy, it was exciting to watch. And even the Purdue fans were, uh, uh, you know, pretty pumped about it. The other thing is, is they thought he got a couple of uh, beneficial calls, as did I, from the referees. And it was nice to see the Illini get the benefit of the doubt. Oh, we'll so, talk about. Yeah. So my thought about Carbello is this. So here's my question for you. Is, you know, he was really, he did, made some really good plays tonight. I think they maybe found a role for him, but I, I think he's limited still in minutes. I, he had 21 minutes now. I just don't think they felt like they had they could play him much more than that. Um, you know, I got nine minutes in the second half, 12 in the first half. The other thing is, so I don't think he's fully 100% yet either. But the one thing I'll, I'll note, how can he, how is he not getting assists anymore? Um, I mean, I know he's a fantastic passer. I know he has great vision. And I know guys aren't leaving three-point shooters when he penetrates. But and, and I don't even think they're leaving Kofi. I'll be honest with you, they're they're not leaving Kofi or in the middle either. But how does Illinois? How is he not getting any assists? He had no assists again tonight. Um, and it seems to be a pattern where he's really having a hard time, you know. I guess generating, um, you know, offense for other people, which is uh, which is something he was really good at a year ago. What are your Here's thoughts my thing there? with that. My thing is this, and let's let's go back to last year. That's a great question, by the way, Mr. Sturdy. Last year, who was the leading three-point shooter in the country last year? Demonte, Demonte Williams. Williams. Remember that? Yeah. And Cabello was throwing the ball to him. Ayo Sumo, I believe, shot 40% from the three-point line, so he would throw the ball to him. So he had other options. And a night like tonight, they just didn't shoot it well. I mean, they really and truly didn't. You know, and then Trent didn't have the ball in his hands as much. So he was knocking down shots. And also, 
he made a lot of loud plays to Kofi, but now people aren't doing that. And I don't know if other coaches are listening to press conferences. Maybe they are, because Coach Underwood has mentioned multiple times in the pick and roll action, Cabello's tough to guard because he either has to make the label or he can lob it off to Kofi or to Omar. Well, they're not sagging off Kofi anymore. They're making Cabello prove that he can make those layups. And he, he missed a couple tonight. You know, Grant, I think he, had, he scored 15 or 16 points. But the fact of the matter is, they had shooters around him last year that were making shots. And I think just recently, I just don't think, you know, that they're making shots. I, I don't think it's his game. I, he, looks, he still seems kind of out of it a little bit to me. But, boy, when he gets going, man, they're better with him. I just can't say that they're not. They're just better with him. There's no sense yeah. in making it up. Yeah, and I also think the, uh, the team right now is getting used to having him back. And when he's got the ball, they have a tendency to kind of stand and watch to see what he's going to do next. And I think they have to start hunting their own shots and trying to create angles that he can get a pass to them. So I know it's a little bit different, but we saw a couple passes go errant from several, you know, not just just Curbelo, but uh, Trent had one. And I think guys are starting to get back into that flow of, of figuring out, like, you know, where is DeMonte going to go when I get a guy on me? And I think they've been a little out of sorts since the COVID break, and, and they're working their way back. So let's just get the practice time with him uh, and, and get the guys used to playing together. And I think the rest will take care of itself. But tonight, guys weren't hitting shots. I don't know if Magic Johnson would have had very many assists tonight. Yeah. No. You know what? I'm sorry, Bradley. No, I, I was. You're exactly right. I, I, I. It looked like Illinois had Magic Johnson passing to Stevie Wonder for jumpers tonight <laughs> in the second half. So um, there were definitely some uh, issues there. But I, I will say this: for a couple of passes, Frazier and Carbello and people just. They threw directly out of bounds. They weren't even close. Yes. So I went back and watched some of those. And they looked like really bad passes. But the guys were in the wrong spot. Um, they have rules. They on didn't all move, yes. especially DeMonte. They're, yeah, exactly De, DeMonte right. got stuck and didn't move. And then there was one time it was – it might have been – I know it was DeMonte once. It may have been uh, – it was either Trent or Plummer on the other one. But they, they didn't think, move. I think I, it was uh, – no, they didn't. And, and so they're, they're flat-footed on the wing, and they're supposed to be in the corner in that alley where they got that passing lane. But when they stand still, then the ball goes to where it's supposed to go, you know, but they're not there. And so that's one of things people don't realize. These guys all have – they have rules. Like, they know where guys are supposed to be when they run a play. Spots, spots on the court. DeMonte was the one you're talking about, I think. Trent threw the ball to the Purdue bench. DeMonte slides to the corner where he's supposed to be. There's nobody other than 20 feet of him. That's the yep. one I remember. And I think the other one you're talking about may have been the Jacob Vance. Yeah, I, I just remember that the guys just didn't move. And so I think that um I, I think that um I think that's part of it. Um so I I uh Yeah, I think you're you're talking you're talking about that time on the left on the left side when when uh, uh Trent thought DeMonte was gonna go baseline and yep. DeMonte stayed out on the wing and and that, and that was another time. And yeah, so I, I think there's, I think it's just, I, I don't know, maybe just need a little bit more practice time to get back into sync. It, it's hard to know exactly what's going on because it's still a team that's, that's won, what have they won, you know, uh, eight out of their last 10 road games. It's not like they're going through a crisis. Or... Yeah. No. Yeah. 
You know, let me ask you guys a question. I have my answer, and I really want to know what you guys think about this. Why do you think Coach Underwood had R.J. Melendez, who I've been raving about for a year now, guard Jay Nivey? Why do you think that was? Even in the first half, he put this kid in. hadn't had a lot of clock this year, but even in the second half, he went to him. Why do you think he did that? Go ahead, Mike. What do you think? I'll take a stab at it because they were having success overplaying him to force him right. And I think, I think the coach probably thought, well, if he's, you know, telling a guy that he can't go left, you know, that, that, that gives you, that's not the hardest defense to, to try to do. And I think the, I, I don't know if he's got the lateral speed to stay with Ivy the whole time, but Ivy's what six, four and, and Melendez is six, seven with long arms. He definitely gave Ivy some, some problems. So I think it was a calculated risk to see if we could kind of put a bigger wing on a guard like teams do to us. And, and, and for a while it worked. And then Ivy went all Superman and, you know, the plan came to a screeching halt. Yeah, I, I think I, I talked to Brad Underwood about RJ Melendez. He envisions him next year as being a, the lockdown defender on the perimeter. Like he, like being See, taking the role of Demonte Williams or Trent Frazier, he really thinks his ability to like understand angles is fantastic, and he also understands defense uh, in the sense that he's just natural. He has a natural feel yeah. for the game, both on both ends of the floor, for that matter. Um, and and he's just coming into his own. I, I think Brad really liked that matchup because I think he was the third guy. I think you're going to see Demonte play on him, and I think you're going to see Trent guard him. Um, but I, I think in that situation, he felt like, you know, hey, I've got these guys in, you know, I, I, RJ's the guy I want to put on him so I can give, you know, Frazier and Williams, and I thought, give them a little break, and I thought he really did a good job. I, I think RJ's going to be fantastic. It, I mean, that was the best. He was so efficient. What did he have? I think he had he have eight points tonight. Um, yeah, eight, eight points tonight. On three yeah. shots. Eight points on three shots. That's good. If you can do that it's every a, game, that would be really good. So. Eight yeah. points on three shots, you know, hit a three, uh, made a and one free throw, had a couple rebounds, um, an assist, uh, a steal. I mean, 11 minutes. He was a plus two on the plus minus, um, which is obviously good. Um, man, I was I was really impressed with him. I, I, I think that, you know, people always worry about And let's be honest, there four of the five guys that are playing right now are not going to be back. Next, starters are not going to be back next year. And now Illinois, and I, I said this, they're developing depth. I mean, I know people bagged on Payne tonight, but I, I thought he was fine. For a backup big man playing five minutes, I thought he was fine. I thought Curbelo yep. coming off the yep. bench, I, I like. And then you have Melendez, you got Hawkins uh, and, and Goody. You got some dudes coming off the bench that can play. And, you know, you got a second a second five that can go out there and legit compete. And, uh, you know, I, I really like what he's doing. He's trying to brought these guys along. And then when you have somebody who's maybe not having the best game of his, of, of the year and struggling a little bit, you put him, you know, I, I guess you, you, that's where you have Goody one game. It's Melendez one game. It's Podzemski one game. They've all had their moments. So, um, yeah, well, and if you can, if you can play well, Brad, if you can play well in on, on the road at Purdue, that should be a huge confidence lift for RJ because I, I can't envision, I can envision a few places being just as bad as Purdue, 
but my ears are ringing like I went to a dang concert. I mean, it is, it is a phenomenon that I would encourage people to go to get a chance to go see a road game because Purdue does a couple things. One is their fans are crazy because they've been good for 40 years. The other thing is, is they seem to be willing to sell seats to students or make mom and dad pay a lot of money so their student can sit there. But there are so many kids in that stadium that they go, they go nuts and chant stuff when there's nothing going on. It's like going to an English soccer game. Um, but I, I think that was a heck of a game to go out and score eight in that place. That, that's not an easy thing to do. No, it's not. And I'm going to tell you what I think, the reason why I ask. I think he's building for the future. You can see it. Not that he's quit. You can see it. Putting him in a that's why I asked you guys that question. RJ is sneaky good. And, you know, and Mike, we've done tons of podcasts. I've mentioned his name a lot, a lot of times. You go back to the Arizona game, the kid is not afraid of the moment. He is not afraid. Look at the Northwestern game. He is an aggressive kid. And I tell you, you know, you're right. A lot of those guys won't be there next year. RJ is going to be a very, very special player because you're right, but he has angles. He can get to the basket. And that environment, he didn't look scared. He doesn't look, he doesn't look rattled. It's just something about him that's different. He, you know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of a pitcher that doesn't show any emotion when he strikes a guy out or gives up a home run. He doesn't show facial expressions, but you can see that his talent's there. And Brad is starting to trust those guys because, let's face it, you're going to need them next year. And even this year, even in a tournament, because they've all proven, they've all had games, but they've all been special. RJ Melendez is 8 for 11 from the floor in Big Ten play. 8 for 11 and 1 for 1 from 3. And three for three from the line. I, I, you know, if it wasn't MVP. for turnovers, if it wasn't for turnovers, he'd have a ridiculous offensive rating. It's really good anyway, um, you know, overall. You know, on the season, he's shooting 71% from three and 54% from two. That's good. That's wow. pretty good. Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, and it's limited, sh- limited sample size, but, man, you can see where he's really uh, coming into his own. So, so I'll let you guys wrap it up. Uh, Mike, you want to give us your final thought? Yeah, I think this is one of those games that you, uh, you know, you put in the file and you save that for scouting for the last, you know, for the next time you play Purdue. Um, I, I, I also, th- I think that, you know, you, you got you to gotta focus on your strengths now. And, and to me, you know, the defense, we need, you know, they need to have that quest for 40 minutes of defense. And then they just need to figure out how to get that offense untracked a little bit. It's not like they're playing bad but they haven't been able to equal the heights that they had before the COVID break. And part of that is you're in the Big Ten schedule. But I think part of that is, you know, just making sure guys are in the right place, making the right reads. And the other thing I'll put out, a, uh, uh, you know, a thumbs up is, you know, there were calls I disagreed with, but I thought there were as many calls that I disagreed with where the Illini got the benefit of the doubt as the ones I disagreed with Purdue. I thought that was – probably one of the better referee games I've seen this year. And there was no Bo and there was no Larry. And it just goes to show you that some of these other refs maybe that don't have the reputations might be more capable of, of uh, you know, working the big games than what the Big Ten is aware of. And that'd be it for me, sir. Edric, what do you got? My thing is there's not very many games left. And, you know, I – Thought about this game all day like most of us have. And you know what? I'm not going to be a worry word. Let's just call a spade a spade. Illinois is good, guys. They're good. 
They're not going to win every game, but they're good. Anybody you listen to in the last two days from a local standpoint and national standpoint, they're giving Illinois some serious Final Four talks. I've said this multiple times. Enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. There's not many players like that. Like that. That's like Kofi. The only guys I can ever remember are Shaq and Kofi. They're the only two guys I can remember. And Kofi's playing for the University of Illinois. Enjoy it because they're going to compete and it's going to be over before you know it. I think they are good. I think they're capable of going on a run in, in the tournament. Uh, I don't care about tonight's game. You know, I mean, let's be honest with you. It was a road game at Purdue. You know, getting beat by whatever 15, 16 points, that wasn't the ideal situation. But it was tough to win on the road. And Illinois has been great on the road. It's not the end of the world because they're going to continue to win, and, and they are good. I, I love what this team is about, and I know the clock's ticking for some of these guys. And it's like all the other seniors. Illinois is playing for a Big Ten title. A lot of these other schools don't have – those other schools in the Big Ten, they don't have that opportunity. I'm not worried. Get the Northwestern game and move on. Yeah, and, and my thought is this. I said people get too caught up in single games. The game against Indiana was a win, it, it, but because they beat them by 20, it doesn't make Illinois, like, uh, any better. Uh, it, it just is what it is. I think people get too fired up about a win, single games. And right now, Illinois is just – they got to get better. They got to play better. They got to play up to their – you know, the level they can play at. Um, and, and I I go back to 89, and I remember the Final Four team, uh, Flying Illini, losing by 20 at an average Wisconsin team. Um, we, we've seen, you know, you go back even, you know, I guess this happens, you know, the honestly, the 05 team probably should have lost the Elite Eight by double figures. They were down 15 with four minutes to go. This kind of stuff happens. Yep. Uh, we, we tend to forget it. Um, when it happens, we tend to, you know, forget that it happened. I mean, the team that went to the Sweet 16 in 04, lost the Big Ten Conference Tournament title game by 17. They got beat by 20 at Wisconsin. They got beat by 10 at Northwestern. They got beat by 19 by Providence. I mean, there are bad losses that happen um, in games. I mean, and, and I guess sometimes we we expect these kids to be robots and always have their best game and play great. But the, that's what makes basketball great is you don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, I, I think that, you just have to keep battling, keep grinding. Uh, this team can keep, they can be better. We, we've talked about it in the podcast with Melendez, Curbelo, people like that. I think this team can get better. And, and as they go down the stretch, find a way to compete for a Big Ten title. They're in first place, seven games to go, probably going to be favored in every game. And now you just got to take care of business and you end up hey, with Brad, a Big Ten one, title. One, one final thing, Brad. Can you imagine? Any almost any other center in the history of Illinois basketball, how one-sided that battle would have been against that duo that he had to go up against tonight? Oh, there's no question. I mean, I who 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 would be able to compete with that? I mean, those that, guys. That's, I, that's my point. I mean, I I don't know who they would be. You know, and I got there's yeah. some there's some guys that I think were really good, but man, I I don't know. Maybe maybe a uh, George Montgomery and. Ephraim Winters, I don't know. Kenny Norman, somebody like that. You know, I don't know, but those guys are Derek so small. Derek Holcomb. The Holcomb, if you yeah. – Holcomb and Hulk, – Derek Holcomb and James Griffin. Let's go with those guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But, exactly. no, I, I, I guess 
I guess my point is, you know, people are really bagging on Kofi. And, and like I said, I'm not, I'm not saying he played the perfect game, but you know, against guys who get to go out and take a five minute break while you're running up and pushing against the other guy, um, you know, just, just his stats alone were pretty impressive when you, when you go up against that type of competition. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Kofi acquitted himself much better than people think um, tonight. I yep. thought he did some good things. I think he still struggled a little bit sometimes with the double teams because um, Purdue really doubled yep. hard. But I thought when he went one on one, he was pretty effective. One on one, you know, um, you know. So I, I, you know, I, I don't think he was the issue tonight. I do think there were the issue yep. was missing no, I mean, wide he, open he, shots he, he, and he not guarding. So eight, he put up eight. He put up 18 and 7 and he missed a wide open dunk. He almost put up, he almost had his average tonight. And he stopped yeah. the, what, six, seven minutes in the first half. He wasn't the problem tonight, not even close to being a problem. Like I said to you, I, when they played it at, in uh, Champaign against Arizona and Purdue, he had a tough, tough time. And Brad, you and I talked a lot today on the phone about getting him able, getting him shots where he could score. He shot over the top of them tonight. I was impressed okay. with that. Think about what he was like when he was a freshman. He has made strides. He was not the problem. He, to be honest with you, Kofi tonight proved to me why I think Illinois is the final four, why I think they're the final four team. Because he w- was able to score over the top of guys like that. Nobody else in the country has that size that Purdue has and two backup centers like that. Nobody. Yeah. I, I agree with you. And that's a, that's a great point, Ken, because here's the deal. So I, I'm getting my Twitter feed, people saying, well, when they face guys that are bigger than Kofi or as big as Kofi, then, you know, they, they don't do as well. Okay, so where are those guys? They're on Purdue and Arizona. Find me the rest of them. Yep. There aren't any well, they're, the, they're in the NBA, Brad. Well, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. So th- there aren't any more. So you're worried about, okay, if they don't play Purdue or Arizona, then they're going to be okay. And and you saw them, yeah. you know, lose close games to those teams. That was a double overtime to Purdue once. So it's just people overreact, and that's fine. It's what fans do, get a little wreck. But the most important game now is the next game, and that's Northwestern. Circle the wagons, figure it out, get yourself right, improve your defense, because the defense of the second half against Indiana was the key to the win, and defense against the second half against Purdue was the key to the loss. And you go take care of business against Northwestern at home, and you go from there. You win the next game, you're still in first place. You win every game, you're going to stay in first place. That's the reality. Yep. Yep. All right. So, sturdy yep. for 30. Right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Kedrick Prince, Mike Cagley, Brad Sturdy. Um, we'll talk to you again on Sunday.